in-depth and God-filled conversations with some of the brightest names in contemporary Christian music and worship. This is The Artist Interview with Gordon T. And welcome to this week's episode of The Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my absolute privilege and pleasure to, well, scour the world of contemporary Christian music and worship and bring to you some really gifted, talented people with amazing stories and great music to share. And this week, I tell you what, I'm really excited that we're going to have Shelley Breen uh, with us. And I know some of you, some of you younger people, you may not know who Shelley Breen is, but I'm going to tell you, Point of Grace, uh, they have been absolutely massive, absolute trailblazers who've been around for... Uh, I'm going to say a fair time, uh, but that means that they've got a lot of experience and a lot of things to share and some beautiful music as well. So before we meet Shelley, let's hear this first track. It's called Turn Your Eyes. And that was Turn Your Eyes by Point of Grace. Hey, Shelley, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I love the way that you so delicately said we've been around a fair amount of time. I like that. Yeah, I, I, like I, that. I, I, I hope that was okay to say. Yes, so. it makes it sound like we're not as old as we really are. So I like it. Well, I'm, I'm too polite <laughs> to ask how old you are. But what I will ask is, when did you guys start making music? Right. So we were in college at a little Baptist school in Arkansas. Um, called Washita Baptist University, and ah, oh, for a start, that's helped me pronounce it because I thought it was Wichita. I so know, Wichita. I know it's it's an Indian name, and so the um, the O U A C H I is spelled like Wash. It's so everyone always calls it Owachita, but it's actually Washita. And um, we got together there um, back when Denise and I were seniors, and uh, Heather and Terry were juniors. And that would have been 1991. And so, so that makes us, I know you're too polite to ask, but we are, I I actually just turned 54. And so actually this fall, we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of the release of our very first studio album at Point of Grace. And so. Wow. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I, I never would have thought back then that we would still be, you know, doing this today, but God is good and we love it still. And, and so we're so thankful to be able to, you know, still travel and, and be with people and sing the songs that that we love. So, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. Um, I guess the big break, if you will, um, came at a a Christian, it was a thing that that, that used to happen every summer called the Christian Artist Seminar, and it was in Estes Park, Colorado, and it's kind of where all of the the people, A&R guys that actually sign acts to labels, um, all the Christian A&R guys would come and industry people. And they would have contests for groups and songwriting and solo artists. And so we entered that competition um, as a group and we ended up winning that, but winning it doesn't necessarily guarantee you a record deal, but um, 
we met several A&R guys there and we really connected with a guy by the name of John Mays, who was at Word Records at the time. And so he came to see us on the road, brought us to Nashville. We made um, two or three demos um, for the record company and they loved them and they decided to sign us to a record label and We've been doing this ever since and actually have been at Word for all of those years, which is kind of unheard of. Most artists, well, a lot of artists kind of flip, skip around labels and stuff like that, but we've been at Word for virtually the whole time, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did spend some time at the Word offices uh, a couple yes. of months back. Yes. They're lovely people, so got to have they a very are. nice meal they with them are. as well, which I'm very grateful for. But um, yes. but yeah, really friendly and and passionate about God and music, which was which was great. Mm-hmm. So let's rewind your story a little bit further. Then, so obviously you're you're a, you're a Baptist. Is it a Baptist university? Did you say it's a Baptist university, correct? So so I'm going to guess. Therefore, you've probably got a, a church background all your life. Yes, um, I definitely grew up in church. Um, so did the. The other girls grew up singing in church, um, doing youth choirs, things like that. And so it was just kind of a natural fit. And Washita is definitely known for their music program. And so there were just a lot of opportunities on campus for us to hone our skills, you know, being in front of people, singing, connecting with people. Um, and so that was that those opportunities that we had there at college really kind of teed us up for what we would later do. We didn't even really know it at the time until we were, you know, about ready to graduate. Wow. I've got to say, it's quite, it's quite amazing because in the UK, we don't really have very many Christian establishments that aren't churches, I think it's fair to say. And they've got, there's things that are charities that are serving in different areas. But, but music, universities, things like that, there's, there's only one that I can think of called uh, Nexus. Um, and it's quite it's quite small, but in the states, I guess there's, there's more of those sorts of things available. Uh, what did you always know you wanted to go to university that was a Christian university and, and do music at that point? No, I really didn't. I mean, I loved choir in high school. I had a really really sweet, a couple of really sweet choir teachers along the way that really encouraged me and. Um, and, you know, I would sing in talent shows and I sang at my high school graduation, that kind of thing. Um, and then I just I ended up getting a music scholarship. It was more of a, on the classical side of things um, at Washita. And so I just decided to major in music. And it wasn't really something I loved contemporary Christian music as well. And, you know, I was very into at the time. Amy Grant, Sandy Patty, First Call, For Him, Truth all those groups. And so, um, of course I always thought I would love to do that, but I don't think, and I think the other girls would tell you the same. I don't think I ever thought that that would actually happen for me. You know, um, I, I really thought that I would be going to be a teacher. Denise was getting her education certificate and I was planning on going to graduate school and teaching on the college level, some kind of music. That was kind of what I thought I would end up doing. Wow. I never really thought that it would go this way. You didn't, you didn't anticipate it. Wasn't, it wasn't fully planned then. It sort of just opened up for you. Exactly. It was literally like, oh, let's, it would be fun to start a group. There aren't really any girls groups. We could go around this summer and sing at camps and stuff, just kind of put the word out because we had a lot of opportunities because at Washita, a lot of the, the guys that we went to school with were doing youth ministry internships in the summer, or they had gone on to start pastoring their own church. And 
that was kind of how we got involved in being able to just, oh, I need you to come sing at my lock-in or I need you to sing at this Valentine's banquet for our senior adults or we you know, things like that. And so I think that we had a lot of opportunities early on to really cut our teeth um, just strictly by word of mouth. And so that was one really great thing that, that came out of that whole kind of small Christian college experience. You planned just to do it over the summer? We did. We, we were thinking, um, we'll just, we kind of came up with the idea and started throwing it out there to people like in January of my and Denise's senior year. And um, so some things came up right away. Like, like our school was like, oh, we want you to sing in chapel, um, you know, our weekly chapel. And a, a couple of people were like, oh, we have this banquet coming up. Can you do a couple of songs for that? And so it kind of even started that last semester of our senior year. And then the, and then the thing was, we were tr just kind of trying to book our summer up and, you know, the, the school gave us a van to drive and they let us borrow a sound system and a trailer, which was so nice. And in return, we would also talk about the college and try to, you know, you know get people excited about, you know, maybe looking at Washita for, for, for college. And, um, if, if we came into contact with that age of, of kids. And so that was really kind of how it started. And I guess sort of by the end of the summer, we realized, hey, people are still wanting us to come and sing this next year. Um, and I, I remember telling my parents, you know, I don't think I want to go to graduate school, even though I did have an assistantship at the time, I'd gotten one. Um, I think I just want to work part-time while the other two girls are still in school and keep doing this. Um, and they were so supportive and they were like, Oh, we knew you girls had something special. You know, they were really, they probably believed it before we believed. And so, you know, for a parent to say, okay, you graduated from college, but yes, we're okay for you to come move and live, live back at home and wait tables on the weekdays and then go out and, sing on the weekends. I mean, that, that was pretty, they had a lot of uh, faith, I think, in us to, to say, yes, that's okay, do that. It's okay that you're not, you know, going on with your former plans or whatever. So, and then it just kind of snowballed from that. Um, it was the next summer that we went to Estes Park. And so we kind of did that all during the year. And it was very hard uh, Heather and Terry were seniors in college. Denise and I were working part-time and we would meet up on weekends and go all over the place in that van and then drop them back off at school. It was kind of crazy. Now that I'm retelling it, I'm like, how do we do that? Yeah, I'm trying to work it out because that sounds like quite a lot of quite a lot of pressure as well as yeah. the, like, for, for the guys studying particularly if they're in, is that their final year yes, of university? Yes, then? it was. Yeah. It was a lot. That is hectic. But, <laughs> but I would say that the university actually got great value out of lending you that van because here we are 30 years later and you're still talking about yes. them. So it's a good bit of advertising. Yes, we're, we love Washita and we're so still connected to them and have such good memories of... You, you, you'd recommend it. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm trying to get my nephew to go there right now. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, so, so you toured around in a van, you did a load of gigs, you went to this place mm -hmm. and they, they then off the back of that you ended up being offered a record contract. 
your life at that moment is like absolutely spinning so quickly and you're, I'm guessing, working really hard. And you mentioned truth and for him. So we had Andy Christman on the show some while ago and he talked about how crazy it was when he looks back, the number of shows that they would play and that they they would set up their own stuff, they'd pack it away, they'd drive to the next thing, they did everything themselves and it was utterly crazy. Was was that similar to you then as well? Are you going from one place to the next place? Exactly the same. Yep. We were just talking to Andy about all that the other day. And um, yeah, we did it ourselves. I mean, in the early, early days, we would, we drove ourselves there and we would set up our own sound system and tear it down. And one of us would go to the merch table and sell our cassette tapes and posters or whatever it was we had at the time. And we all had our we all had our little jobs. I mean, we were doing it all. And so I think in a way that really not in a way, in, in a huge way that helped us later on know like, okay, this booking agent isn't cutting it right now because you know, we used to be our own booking agent and we know how it worked, you know, kind of knew how it worked. Or this manager, we really need more from him in this area or whatever. And so because we had sort of done all the jobs for ourselves for like a couple of years before we got a manager or an actual booking agent or a record label or anything like that. Do you think it's harder for newer bands today to get started than it was for you back then? Um, well, I think, I think yes and no. I think they don't uh, today. I feel like, if they come out, if an artist comes out with a great song and they get noticed by a record label and they get signed, I think a lot of times the, the manager tries to get them in front of as many people as they can. So, and that's obviously a good thing, but they immediately hop on a bus and go out on tour with somebody. Now they're probably not making any money. They're actually probably even paying money, you know, to be on the tour. Um, That's how it works a lot of times, but they're, they're getting their name out there. But so in a way, that's a good thing. But in another way, it's not really teaching them. It's not really, I guess some people would say paying your dues, but also just teaching them all the different things that go into it before you get to the point that you can actually get on a bus and somebody else does a lot of the things for you. Um, So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's harder or easier, but it it sure is different. It's a really different. Okay. Yeah. Because what was your particular role? You mentioned everyone had a different thing they did. Yeah. So here's what's really funny. Terry handled all of the money, and she had literally had like a little check register with like what you know what came in and what we were paying out and paying what we food receipts, just all that kind of stuff. And um, Denise did the music. Um, I actually was the booking agent. I, I was the one that would, uh, get the messages on the phone, call the churches back, figure out if it was feasible for us to get from, you know, wherever we were before and wherever we needed to go after and fit that church in between. And that was back in the day. There was, where there was, there was no Google maps. There was no maps. We had a huge Rand McNally Atlas and, you just have to figure out like, yeah, I think we can make that. And I was the one that would write down directions to the church. Remember when people would give you directions, they'd say, okay, you're going to go left at this place. And I just write it down. And I mean, that's what we had. And so, and what's really funny is I ended up marrying a booking agent. 
and oh. he's like an actual, you know, works for a company like booking agent. And so I'm like, I know what you do. I did that <laughs> on a slightly smaller scale. <laughs> so uh, was it just coincidence it was a booking agent or was it someone you met on the road? Um, it was somebody. So he worked for William Morris at the time. And we had had after I was booking us and I was like, I cannot do this anymore. A sweet, sweet man. And that ended up becoming like a second father to all of us. He was the singles minister at a huge church in Houston, First Baptist Houston. And he kind of became our booking agent on the side. And people would, we, he got another phone line and people would call him and he would handle all that. So he did it for a long time. So it got to be to the point where he just really couldn't do it anymore either. He had kids and, you know, just, it got, he got too much. And so um, we started meeting with different agents in town, different booking agencies. And my husband worked for one of them. And so I actually met him officially at, at a meeting where we were kind of interviewing them to possibly be our, our booking agent. And so, um, but I was actually dating somebody else at the time. And so was he, So we would, run into each other for we knew each other for a couple of years before we ever dated and did, and did did he become your booking agent or the company he actually did we actually ended up signing with his agency um and he always said i did not want to ask you out until you're for sure at our agency or you for sure weren't you know he didn't want to do it when we were still in limbo but, so it didn't look like he was trying to like hey come over here you know so, yeah 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 so oh, we went out after that yeah cool okay uh, so um did you go to a similar style of church or yeah we actually both at that time were attending the same church but i mean i wasn't here very much because we were traveling so much but um have you heard of scotty smith he used to be the pastor of christ community church in franklin um okay almost nobody in the uk has heard of scotty smith but he sounds like a nice guy He's a great guy. He was very popular, you know, preacher around here and teacher at that time. Um, so we went to church there um, together for, for a while. And then um, a lot of music people went there at that time. Um, but so, yes. So, yes, we did. We were very similar in our, you know, upbringing and church style and all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was ni- nice and easy and compatible. Yes, for sure. That point yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And he, and he understood the music business as well. So that's a bonus. Because exactly. he must have known what he was getting into. As a booking agent, you would know that people are out on the road. They're not necessarily available. And in those days, there was no FaceTime or any of that yeah. sort of malarkey. Yeah. So when you were gone, you, you were properly gone. Were- how, many, how many weekends of the year would you say? Was it weekends or weeks? How, how much of the year were you away? Um, I would say during the busiest tours, like let's say we did a fall tour in September, October, November, or maybe part of December, we would be gone 20 to 22 out of the 30 days, maybe come home on some of the Mondays and Tuesdays, and then possibly Wednesdays, but always gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's basically wow. come home, redo your laundry, try to have some semblance of normalcy and, you know, and then go back out again. But I mean, <laughs> We could never do that now. We're so like, you just get older and you just get more tired and you just can't do it. You know, your body's like, nope. <laughs> I, I can empathize with that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so uh, I guess, I guess one of the things I'd like to know is 
has it always been like a joy to be going out or do you get to the point where you go, I know you're mentioning about you can't do as much, but are you still excited about being out on the road? Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, more so now than then because um, back then when we were at our height of busyness and being gone and stuff, you were just kind of in survival mode, a little bit on autopilot. Um, I hate to say it, but it's true. Um, just because you're doing the same thing day after day after day after day and you're just kind of your propensity for being able to talk and, and meet people and just be kind day after day after day. I mean, sometimes you just have to have a little recharge the battery time, you know, and so now, um, we enjoy it even more, I would say, because we aren't as exhausted all the time, I think. And so we go, we, you know, we go out two to three weekends a month. It's very doable. It's very manageable. Um, and so as it should be. And, and so really, I think we probably have more fun now because we're not just like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. You're still, and you're still smiling. But even back then, I'm, I don't think, I've, I've got to say, some of the listeners don't know Point of Grace and don't know quite your history. They still won't quite understand quite how big you guys were and quite how much you achieved as well. So how many albums have you guys done? You know, I was just the other day looking, um, including, what did I count? Because my husband brought out this plaque I'm one of those people, I don't have like a, an extra room to like kind of put my music stuff in, like Dev Awards and stuff. So people always make fun of me. They're like, your Dev Awards are like above your washer with your laundry detergent. I'm like, I know, I need a bigger house. <laughs> how, how, how many Dove Awards did you get? Um, I think maybe something like 13 or 14 or something like that. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. That is it a lot. is a lot. So. But I think album wise, I counted the other day because he brought out a plaque that was the um, it was for our 25th anniversary and they had every single album, even, um, like the rarities and remix album, all the Christmas albums. And what did I count? I meant to say, I, I want to say it was like 20 something. That'd be right. See, I, I, I thought it was maybe 20. I thought, I thought it was maybe 20 plus. Cause I, I, ha I was even having to just look on Spotify going, yeah. that's an insane number of albums. Yeah. Cause there's like the girls of grace Girls of Grace album, like four Christmas projects. So yeah, I need to go count again. I don't know why I wanted to say it was like 29 or something like that, but that might be way too many. So I'll, I'll go up to the attic and count and call you back. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy big number though. So um, no, it's a big just, just so people, I, mean, this, I think this is an interesting, all right, with, with Keep the Candle Burning, the day, the day that that released, what happened? Um, that was a really big hit. That was maybe one of the biggest, it might've been one of the biggest songs that we had. Um, we actually, when that song went out, shortly after that, we did a release tour, um, a record release tour where we went to five different cities in one day on this big plane and visited we changed clothes in between so we wouldn't look the same in any city. It was like this huge ordeal. And um, it was wild that everywhere we went, we performed that song. And then after they did a music video, you know, of it. And I mean, everybody 
everybody knew that song, everybody. And, you know, that was just the power of Christian radio back then. Um, but I remember the producer of that song was a guy named Phil Nash and he just nailed it. He just nailed it and made it a radio smash. He really did. So, so you guys, I hope the people at home now have gone, wow, that's quite a, that's quite an epic thing. I mean, if, if you're doing a single in five different cities, flying in a plane, I think that's quite a big deal. I'm, I, I don't know if the Spice Girls ever did that. No idea. But you were, you were probably, you were probably the biggest, you were, well, you were the biggest female band. I'm wondering whether or not, actually, I, I don't know, but you're right up there, big, big Christian bands yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. So, so what instrument wise, do you play an instrument? You know, I dabble in piano. Denise is a decent guitar player, but we travel with the band um, almost always. Typically, if we're just doing more of an acoustic show, we'll travel with the keyboard player and a guitar player. Um, the other night we were outdoors, we brought a drummer with us too. So, um, but back in the day, I mean, we always had a full band, you know, um, so, but... Cool. If we did, if we were better at instruments, it would be so cool and so good. But I mean, we're just not. <laughs> but, but you sing really well, so well, that I'm, that absolutely beautifully. So that that's okay. You, you get away with not being so good at the instrument bit. That's you're fine. very very sweet. So very sweet. We've got we've got another track to play from you. It's called "I Believe." Okay. Tell us the backstory to "I Believe." Yes. So this song was one of those when we were first coming up through the ranks and cutting our teeth, we loved this artist named Wes King. And he had a song out called I Believe that we just all loved. And so um, we really wanted to recut that song for today because it sort of just talks all about um, the inerrancy and the just the importance of the scripture and upholding it in its entirety. And uh, I think today more than ever, a lot of different denominations, how do I say this lightly, taking a lot of liberties, um, I think with the scripture, kind of- Pick and choose. Picking and choosing. And um, that can create a, a big problem. Um, and so we definitely loved the song, I Believe, because it's saying, do you really believe Noah? Do you really, he, did he really build a big ark? Yes, we, we believe that. We believe that Adam and Eve, you know, existed in a garden of Eden. Like we, we believe the whole story from beginning to end. And so it was just kind of our, a little bit of a sideways, I guess, way to make it a statement of faith. And so, um, it, and it turned out great too. It's, it's a really up-tempo fun song, even though it's got a kind of a more serious, you know, lyric to it. And that was, I believe, by Point of Grace. And I'm so glad that Shelley Breen is with us still for the artist interview. Shelley, thanks for the journey that you've shared with us, uh, where you've got open doors for you, 
trusting in all things and that song there stating the things that you guys believe um believing in god believing in the bible and his word and his goodness mm-hmm. you know there's gonna be lots of people listening who are on a faith journey some of them maybe at the moment still just thinking is it true or is it not true it would be lovely right now if you're happy to pray for listeners yes i would love to do that lord thank you so much for everyone that is listening today and i know that it is not by mistake that we are connecting right now so lord um i would just ask that right now you begin to reveal yourself um, in a very personal way to anyone who is searching for you, whether they're searching for you for the first time or they're searching for you in the midst of a problem or something hard that they're going through, or if they just need to be reminded just to thank you today for the little things that you've done in their lives, the little blessings. But God, um, the Bible says that all of us have a, a hole in our heart that can only be filled by you. And and so Lord, I pray that the revelation of yourself will come to each man in, in their own way. And the Bible tells us that we work out our own salvation. And I pray that you'll continue to work it out among everyone that is listening right now. And that by your Holy spirit, that they would just have the, the power and the wherewithal and the knowledge and that scales will be taken away from their eyes so that they can see you fully and clearly and know that they can live a life with the true north and that you would be that true north and that within within the boundaries that you provide for them god that there is great freedom and we pray that that all of your children will live in that freedom we ask all these things today in the mighty name of jesus and may they be so amen Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Shelley. So we've got to the point where you guys are doing really well. You've got loads of albums. Everything's, I would say, sounding really peachy. But there's got to be some struggles and some challenges other than just the tiredness. Other times you can remember where things just didn't seem to be going right. Were there points where you thought, I think I might have to give up? Um, <clears throat> For me personally, there was never a point that I felt like I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. I've always loved doing it. Um, I would say probably the hardest times were when we would have a band member change. Um, and we, the, the, the first one was when one of the original members, Terry decided to leave after being in the group for 13 years. And she, it was so understandable. She did not live in Nashville with the rest of us. Her husband had a job in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so, and she had three children and it just was so hard for her to get to Nashville, to get to the bus, just, just to even start the journey was an extra journey for her, you know? And if we've had have meetings in Nashville and they were important, she couldn't just hop in her car and drive to a meeting like the rest of us could. And so that was really, really hard. And so she just made the decision to stay home and raise her kids. I don't think she would make a different decision today. I think she's so, you know, happy and at peace that she did that, but, but that was hard. That was really hard on all of us. And because we were this very tight knit, good friends, a group of four girls that had made a lot of, of music together and, and a lot of memories together. And we were, we were really more like family, like sisters, so that was a hard time, um, but her replacement, Lee, is still with us today. She's coming up on her 20th anniversary um, with the group, and she was just the perfect fit, and God knew it and orchestrated it. We didn't 
have tryouts. We didn't, we just knew that this was the person she had filled in a couple times before. And so just that provision of the Lord um, was so good, but it was still hard. And then, so we went for several years, the, the, the four of us like that. And then Heather, who's really the powerhouse voice, um, you know, she reached a point where she had four kids under the age of six and her life was just nuts. Um, okay. four, four under the age of six. Yeah. That, that is uh, the, the fact that she can do anything apart from like, sort of wander around the house like a zombie. I'm quite impressed because. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. And I don't know how she did it for as long as she did, but um, she did come to the point where she needed to stay home as well. And so at that point, we really struggled with, do we add another person or do we just become a trio? And that was a really big struggle for us because we had always been known point of grace as a quartet. But um, what we did was we relearned several of our songs in three part instead of four part, we rearranged them and we just got in front of people that we knew and loved and trusted. And we were like, is this any good? Is it still the same? Is it missing something? Do we need to, to, to add a new member? And, and everyone overwhelmingly was like, no, this is, this, this is great. You guys, you don't need to try to, to try to fix something that isn't broken. This is going to work great. Um, so we just decided to go into our, you know, what do they call those years? Not your twilight years, but your later years. We just decided, let's just go into the sunset with a trio. Let's just see how that works. And we've been a trio for, gosh, I don't even really know how many years now, but it's been a long time. It's a, it's a very, very long sunset, which is good news really, isn't it's it? It's a long sunset. That sun is just not going no. down. Yeah. Um, and it's been really good. It really has. I think we made the right decision. I think at that point in time to bring somebody in, we were just, we're so tight. We're so like a family. We're, you know, we just know each other so well. I don't think that anybody could have come in and not felt like, uh, you know, just an outsider to some extent, no matter how hard we would try to make them not feel that way. And so, um, so those, I think the member changes would have been just the hardest time to go is, are people going to accept this, you know, the way it is now? And, but everyone's been so great. And, you know, that other than that, I mean, when we were all in baby world and having children, I mean, that was obviously a little harder um, of a time, but, you know, we got through that and now everyone except Lee are, are empty nesters and, you know, my daughter's in college. And so she's home right now for the summer, but, um, there's really a, a little bit more time now, you know, than there than there has been the past few years. So okay, that, that sounds positive. I, I honestly, I don't know how musicians who've got young kids manage to do it at all. Going, like, I'm, I hats off to all of you as as mums for being able to somehow juggle what seems to me unjuggleable. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it would be probably good to find out of the of the things that God sort of put into your hands. He's given you this amazing platform over the years. What have been the things that you're sort of, I don't mean proud in a proud, proud way, but in your heart, you're really glad that God's given you that opportunity to do. So what are the things you've achieved through your platform? Yeah, um, I think a really neat season for us is when we were a little bit younger. Um, we did a conference for several years called Girls of Grace. And it was a, a conference for young girls. And, and most of the time, their moms would come to. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's hard to be a teenager girl in the day and age that we live in i've got a teenage girl 
I'm, I watch yeah. it and I think that looks quite hard. It's it's so hard, and there's just so many so many messages coming at them all the time, and, and that that challenge their worth. And um, that was just a conference that we were able to do, bring in speakers, and we would speak and sing just to encourage them and hopefully remind them of of who they were and and what was really important and how what's going on right now seems like everything, but to get a little perspective when you're a teenager is so important and it's so hard to do. So for us to come alongside the parent during that time in those conferences and just give them a little weekend of some, you know, cheerleading and, and knowing you can make it through this, you know, you're a daughter of God and you have inherent worth and who cares what anybody else says. And that's, that's a hard message when you're a teenager. Yeah, it really is an, it's an important message and to know. Even as an adult, at some, at some point, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I've got to say, I don't know. I don't know if this is true. My observation is, I think it's harder to be a teenage girl than a teenage boy. I think it probably is too. I mean, do you have boys? I've got one boy and one girl, both teenagers. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't have boys, and so, um, you know, I don't know for sure, but. It seems like to me that girls are just, they're just more dramatic outwardly and there's just more, there are more feelings and big feelings and um, lots of cattiness and things like that. And um, yeah, it, it feels that way to me. It does. So, so you had a platform that enabled you to maybe speak some blessing into that sort of situation. I hope so. Am I right in saying as well that you guys were involved in, compassion yes yes we for those who don't know what's compassion well compassion international is a program that we've been involved with for a long time and um it's basically a child sponsorship program where they go in and identify villages in third world countries that are impoverished that not only need basic things to live water food shelter help with those kinds of things but also you know they need jesus and typically they'll go in and they'll partner with a church there that is already trying to do good work in the community and really is involved and knows the needs of the community and they'll come alongside that church and they'll identify kids in the community specifically um that need a sponsor need help need a little extra money each month to get by. And, um, it's a really neat thing. I mean, I've been writing, I sponsor two girls, um, one in Peru and one in Ecuador. And I mean, I've been right. One just graduated from high school and she's doing great. Um, but it's a way. To, how, how old is that? For those people who don't know what high school is, how, how old? Is she? Yeah, she would be, well, actually she's 20 now. Um, and they even have a program where you can carry on and help send them to college. It's so much cheaper to go to college in, say, Peru than it would be here uh, For sure. in the United States. Um, so that's really cool. Um, you know, education is so key. And setting them up, trying to kind of helping their parents, help coming alongside the parents and helping to set them up um, for good education and a, and a good working and heart knowledge of who Jesus is and what role he plays in their lives. Um, that's kind of what compassion does. And, and so you, you kind of have a front row seat to that. And 
I love getting letters from from my girls and and it's 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 been a really neat thing. So basically what we do is we go out um, and when we sing, we drum up support and try to get other people to to come alongside of us and sponsor their own child. And um, yeah, it's been really neat through the years to work with them. They're doing really good work. Uh, well, you're still smiling just thinking about writing letters. I can see that in your face. So that, yeah, that, that's yeah. lovely. Have you, have you ever actually had the opportunity to, to meet the children that you're sponsoring? I have, well, I met one of my two. I met Margie um, when she was just a, a little, she was probably, I think she was nine or 10. Um, and I got to go actually to her house and um, single dad was raising she and her brother and, and sister. And Lee actually ended up sponsoring a sister and oh. Sondra, her name was Sondra um, after we met her. But yeah, that was really, that was really cool. And was that, was that in Peru? It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Gosh, well, that must be an eye opener. Yeah. So, you know, what? we're coming to the end of our time uh, and we've got one more track to play for me. It's called At the Table. Tell us the backstory. Why did you write it and what you hope to achieve with it? We wrote At the Table. I don't know if you know anything about what's going on in the United States right now, but everybody's fighting and everybody's, you know, the nation split half and half about every topic you can imagine. And so we wanted to write a song um, that would just remind people that we don't have to agree with each other on every single thing. It's okay to disagree, but that, and you don't have to lose your own, um, you know, convictions, um, just because you befriend somebody with different convictions. And so thus the song at the table was born. There's room for everyone to have a meal, um, metaphorically figuratively to have a meal to have a relationship side by side and so and to get along and love each other well so this song's called at the table And that was At The Table by Points of Grace. And thank you so very much to Shelley Breen for joining us for the artist interview today. What a lovely lady and oh, so much joy. So many tracks as well. Do go and look them up. Maybe uh, maybe subscribe, follow them on social media or on your favorite streaming platform as well. Hey, there's loads of stuff on YouTube for them. Check that out as well. Also, talking of places you can go and find stuff, do go and hunt out the artist interview on your favorite podcast platform. Do us a favor, subscribe, share it with a friend, leave a review, if possible, five stars. Uh, I'm your host, Gordon T, and I look forward to joining you on the next episode of The Artist Interview. You've been listening to The Artist Interview, a Hope FM podcast. Find us at hopefm.com forward slash The Artist Interview.